The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 24th minute. I begin with, what do you mean? And I end with the most interesting single-serving friend I've ever met. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat. Podcasts. We record, edit, and release podcasts with my host, Lance Stanford. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bubba Wheat. And I can safely say you're the most interesting co-host I've ever had. Nice. I'm... You know, I'm I'm not super familiar with your body of work, so I'm not. <laughs> I don't know if that means if <laughs> if I am actually your only co-host or not. So I don't know how big of a compliment that is. <laughs> and good... and did you know that if you mix equal parts, Zach Efron and Vanessa Hudgens, you get our co-host <laughs> Tyler Boudreaux. How are you well, doing? Thanks. Thanks for delivering that joke and not saying that I have a sick desperation in my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Of course oh, great. not. We, Thank you. We try to be nice to the guests. <laughs> and, you know, but again, before we start into today's minutes on, on every Friday, I like to get a little bit serious. And I know that that Fight Club has become this like symbol that uh, a lot of toxic masculinity people have, have kind of used, um, you know, as, as an excuse for their behaviors. But, you know, I, I'd like to give give you as a guest an, an opportunity to kind of combat that and and share an example of positive masculinity, whether it's, you know, another movie, TV show, or even something within your life. So, you know, I'll, I'll bring it, I'll give the floor to you. So uh, to, to hear what you have to say. Well, I had, I had one that I really wanted to talk about, but I, I wanted to quickly mention if you're, if you're a fan of Brad Pitt's oeuvre, then you might, you might know the movie Troy and, um, the character in Troy and the Trojan War in the Iliad, Hector, who's the Trojan prince whom Achilles kills, is a, is a really positive symbol of fatherhood and masculine honor um, that has existed for 3,000 years. But what I really wanted to talk about was something much dumber. Uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time listening to the podcast Dungeons and Daddies, <laughs> which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast made by um, some of the Rocket Jump people who made Video Game High School, um, Freddie Wong um, included in that. And mm. I also just wanted to shout out um, has been YouTuber and former professional Guitar Hero player, Freddie Wong as sort of an interesting masculine role model um, for people my age who like grew up watching YouTube and seeing like this sort of schlubby, not cool at all Asian man get to be like a rock star of internet comedy and do all these like awesome action fighting videos with random celebrities and get to be really cool and fun on the internet and and be totally like joyous and sweet and artistic and nerdy and i really think that you know getting to see that that diversity and um 
just fun out there in the world from a young age. Like I'm, I was glad that the Hey Dave YouTube happened when it did because I would have never gotten to have role models like that. Yeah, he he sounds familiar. Like I remember video game high school, but I I think I didn't quite make it that far. What was his? Do you remember what was his project right before video game high school? They made like a bunch of like Freddie W videos on YouTube and like just other like random YouTube videos where he it literally just be like a video game parody, and they do like complicated fight scenes. Um, yeah, that's that's right, Freddie W. I I. I think I've I definitely watched a bunch of his Freddie W um videos, but I I kind of lost track of him um right right when video game high school like had just came out. Like I, I didn't watch any of that, but I was aware of it coming out and then I kind of just lost track of him after that. But um the entire Dungeons and Daddies podcast is about fatherhood and masculinity in a very interesting way so if you would rather just absorb a dungeons and dragons podcast i highly recommend that to you guys or the listeners nice yeah i've you know i i don't um watch or listen to a lot of let's plays but that 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 does sound uh nice and interesting and i and i know a lot of people enjoy that kind of stuff so i you know i'm I will try to remember to have a link of the link to that in the show notes as well for anybody interested it's much more comedy forward and less like role playing forward too. So it's more about the story. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into this minute. And um, one thing that, that I noticed because I, I, I actually had a hard time um, hearing what Brad Pitt was saying um, to, to his answer. And I was like looking at the script and I, I noticed that in the script uh, line saying the, Tyler's line uh, answer to Jack's question of what do you do in the script? He says, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and in the movie, he says, what do you mean? Which, you know, what do you mean is a much more kind of natural line of dialogue versus what do you want me to do? But in a way, I kind of like the script's direction with him saying, what do you want me to do? Because that kind of adds this extra layer of connection between them and a, a, a little bit more of the foreshadowing. You know, he's asking, what do you want me to do? As in, you know, you created me, you have control over me. What do you want me to do? Versus- yeah, the projection, the power fantasy. Yeah. Versus this and, uh, you know, what do you mean? Uh, where in in this context it, it is a bit more natural but instead it kind of it still has a little bit of the the, the snarkiness but instead it i think it, it flows more into the the whole power struggle uh, between these two, two characters and you know it, it's a bit more of him kind of taking control over the con uh, the conversation and uh you know, taking power over Jack as the the protagonist of this movie up until now. Well, I think he could have asked, you know, what do you think I do? Which is a normal question, but also plays into the you created me. And then when Jack says, would say, you know, in my in my mind, he'd be like, well, what do you think I do? I don't know. Of course you don't. You know, like <laughs> still give him kind of the one up and stuff. But I like the retort of like why, so you can pretend to be interested. Because the Tyler Durden character really does represent the side of 
um, the narrator's brain that's like, you know what? Screw small talk. Like, we just say these stupid little things to each other and no one makes a genuine connection. And the version of himself that like wants to call people out for their phony behavior is very much what Tyler Durden is. Yeah. And that's another level of him, you know, taking power. Like he's undercutting his, his idea of small talk and, you know, he's, he's basically calling, calling Jack out as, as, you know, you don't really, you're not really interested in me. You're just making small talk. And, you know, that, that is below me and, and I'm going to call you, I'm, you know, I, I, I mentioned this, this phrase uh, on Wednesday's minute, but he's basically like negging him, you know, he's giving me all, giving him all these negative, like underhanded um, compliments to make him feel less about himself so that he can then be the one that lifts him up. And it's, you know, it's a tactic used a lot in like pickup artists and in, in in a way, you know, me saying that it, it is almost like Tyler is this pickup artist and, and he's picking up Jack as a, you know, and if you want to look at it in, just in the context text of the film, like as his first disciple, uh, but also you can uh, follow it in that the homoerotic way as well, where, you know, he's picking up for picking him up for a you know, a, a romantic or an, an intimate um, connection, well, and, and uh, talked, an intimate relationship. We've talked a lot about Jack and Marla's flirting um, in the last few weeks, like with all our Marla minutes and how they flirt like, you know, kindergartners or elementary kids because mm-hmm. they're just mean to each other. Uh, but it's really flirting. And, he, you know, that's kind of what Tyler's doing here. It's like he's being mean, but is it because he, Again, the narrator doesn't know how to interact and flirt. So is it is he flirting with the narrator in the same sense that the narrator flirted with Marla a few minutes back? His platon his, his platonic ideal of like what is a what is a cool guy and what does a cool guy look and sound like is a guy who is a little bit abrasive. He's 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 a jerk and uh, Jack, the narrator, is a nice guy, and girls don't fall for nice guys like him. Yeah, and and I love just the I love Edward Norton's laugh because it really fits Tyler's description of you, you have a kind of sick desperation in your laugh because that the way that Edward Norton laughs really does fit that description. Just that's that uncomfortable just that awkward laugh he really nails that laugh and then we get the him pointing out um that they have the exact same suitcase which you know i i'd like to in in a way you know in overthinking it which is of course what we do on on these kind of podcasts what? I, I feel like that the fact that he recognizes that is a little bit too on the nose, especially because I, I feel like that the the suitcase itself is like the most boring, basic, plain suitcase you could ever get, which is 100% fitting for the type of suitcase that Jack has. But at the same time, it's much less nota, nota, noticeable to like for somebody else to have the exact same one. It, it's like, Oh, you have the exact same boring, plain suitcase that I have. Well, and I don't think there's a lot of 
diversity in briefcases. Um, mm. You know, like you, you either have a brown one or a black one. I, I think that's about as as far as it, it goes. Um, you know, like if they were if they were both bedazzled or something, then it may be worth <laughs> noticing. But um, yeah, but I think this is more just very heavy handed giving away the end of the movie you know we, we talk about how the movie's already we've already know the ending two or three times at this point um it's been just laid out there for us and i think this is a rewatch moment you know that way when you do rewatch it you're like oh there it is like they're they're the same because they're the same yeah i don't find it heavy-handed at all i find it one of like the more clever details that they do in the movie because the briefcase like as you said you know as part of the consumerism bit, there's the idea that like, yeah, we're ma we're made to consume things, but at the end of the day, like we're not really getting anything that's that different. There's there's a pretty high chance that you just have the same exact BS that everybody else has, and and the briefcase is no exception. But then to have that like consumerist criticism, and then also have it just be like a hint at the twist, is obviously you know, it's good to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. And it could also be like a, a, a single serving talk, you know, like if you see somebody, if you're single serving talk, be like, Oh, Hey, I, I have a pair of those shoes or, Oh, I have that same thing. So maybe he is just doing it as a, a single serving line though, to build that single serving friendship too, to have a common ground. Yeah. And, and, and I also don't really, see it as like heavy handed as far as uh, giving away the ending it is because it does just feel like a small talk line it, it is it is something that's not until rewatch that you you connect you connect it with how the movie ends but i i also you know i i like how the way that tyler acts especially in this scene he's always like just a little bit off, you know, he's a little bit left and left of center, you know, it, it starting off with him just reading the safety pamphlet out loud to himself, that that's not something that you really see anybody doing. And then going into the, the conspiracy theory on the oxygen masks, even the way that he describes his profession, like, you, you know, he doesn't say, you know, what do you do? Well, I make and I sell soap. He says, soap, I make and I sell soap. You know, that that's not the way a normal person would answer that question. And then the, the way that he hands the him, the way Tyler hands Jack the, his business card, he does this this little twisty flourish. He doesn't just hand him the, <laughs> the, the business card. He makes a show of it. Do you think that's because Jack is still ironing out the kinks? of of Tyler, you know like how over the top is he or how outlet you know that he he's not a fully formed character um yet in this in, i mean in the sense that in jack's mind you know he, he's like okay well what what do i want to be like and okay well maybe that's a little much we got to reel it back in and that's why we seem uh you know a little different later on since this is their first interaction like he just hasn't like said fully formed him yet when you guys see like the outfit that Tyler Durden wears, is that like, wow, that's so nineties or is that, <laughs> or is it like, wow, that's so weird. And I don't understand how he's trying to dress at all. But it is very much not the way that anybody would ever dress it. It's, 
it's one of, you know in a way it, it's so bizarre that it that it almost becomes timeless because it, it doesn't feel 90s like in the 90s it almost felt 70s because it, it's it's like bordering on like the loud leisure suits of the 70s but not quite it, it's just this weird mishmash of fashions that only tyler durden could pull off to this day i still want a red jacket like that i would i would I would wear a red leather jacket <laughs> everywhere. I mean, not right now because it's like 115 degrees here. The the yeah, problem is with the with the red jacket, you you you're probably gonna look more Cobra Kai than Tyler Durden. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Um, I also think Brad Pitt is timeless. Like, and I'm not trying to do like a he, he never ages thing because like obviously people get older, but I think like the way the way that he has navigated like his um, appearance and like his relationship with um, the way that he is objectified by the rest of the world throughout his career has been so smart. And um, I, I, I don't mean to effusively praise Brad Pitt because I, I'm, I'm sure there's some dirt on him. No, go, go right ahead. <laughs> um, um, he's probably been a, a crappy guy to, to, to women and other people through at some point in his career and well, he's, I, I imagine definitely uh, jennifer aniston um well even aside from like the tabloid stuff but um i i mean and it's not just an achilles thing i have a poster of brad pitt as achilles hanging up in my classroom because i am a latin <laughs> teacher but um i just think the the way he is aware of how is how he is perceived and is able to connect with all these different characters um in a way that like feels natural and feels confident is, is so good. Like he, like he will always be the standard of like the Hollywood handsome man. Yeah. But he never, he never really leaned into it except for, you know, just here and there he's typically all often gravitated or at least he does enough unique and very quirky characters without going full on Johnny Depp. Yeah. Well, cause he did like 12 monkeys um where he's weird in that but then even even if you look at like the oceans movies where everybody in those movies is cool like everybody he's still just sitting around just like eating hamburgers the whole time <laughs> like you know making messes and stuff and uh like bullet train i have i'm like halfway through it so no spoilers but eh, you know, don't bother it, with the second half <laughs> okay good good to know uh <laughs> but you know like yeah he's always I guess to go back to like what we said, just a little, little off, like, you know, yeah, he never is. I mean, he's always the pretty boy without being the pretty boy. Uh, even like like in, even this movie, him. even in this movie, you know, he has a lot of shirtless, like um, almost like female gaze moments, but he, it's not, it's not like full on sex symbol because he's, you know, this is a very dirty movie and it, it's not, it's not like the, the glorified sex symbol ever he you know he's he's kind of cut but in in a very more gritty way yeah he i'm trying to think of, i'm trying to think of a movie where he does play because he, like even in troy you know he, the first time right. you see him in bed with like three women but then <laughs> as the movie goes on he is uh, yeah, i don't the movies that he's prettier he's more arrogant i guess i, so, I feel like the i mean i haven't seen it but i, I feel like the example of him 
doing more pretty boy romantic lead is, is like um bridges not bridges uh seven years in tibet or even like meet joe black was a mm-hmm. romance movie but you know he ends up as a baby you know it's it's still not quite a romance movie you know they they yeah, he's still change. a quirky and he's still a quirky character because he's playing you know the, the fish out of water character yeah i mean brad pitt and burn after reading is is perfect yes yeah well like right there he's a gym guy like he's a gym bro in the gym but he's an idiot like you know it's <laughs> he always balance finds that balance i think of like making himself not too charming i get you know not too prince charming almost and like even Benjamin Button, it's like the, that's, again, another one that I, I keep bringing up examples that I haven't seen, but that's kind of billed as, as like this almost Romeo and Juliet romance movie, even though it's kind of more about his life story, but just the the, the quirkiness of, you know, the, the situation behind his character aging backwards just adds that that level of uniqueness that isn't just a, a typical romantic lead character and i think what else is interesting with brad pitt is that i don't know i just pulled up his imdb and like he's an executive producer on women talking he's an executive producer on she said like maybe it's sort of some pr um trying to to help out his reputation but it seems like he's been like trying to also be a helpful friend and like positive member of hollywood like trying to get things made as well as appearing in things as the star like because he knows if he's in it he's going to take away attention and i think other than 12 years a slave where he's like kind of shows up as a weird like jesus white savior figure like (laughs) all these other movies as i'm scrolling down that he's helped produce like moonlight and okja and if beale street could talk like those are all movies that you know he didn't need to involve himself with even if he was just putting some money towards to help them get made like it's nice to have a guy who understands what it means to be in hollywood Mm. and then you know jumping back to the the scene the the next bit that we get in in this conversation we get this uh this fake napalm recipe you know if you mix equal parts gasoline and frozen orange juice concentrate and I I think it's interesting that, you know, and I think in the original draft of the novel and even in the original script, the the recipe was at least in the script, it was closer to being a a real explosives recipe. And, you know, l- later in the movie, in terms of like making nitroglycerin within the soap making process, that is like that recipe is based in reality but of course the you know the the actual process is muddied a bit in the film so as not to be easily recreatable but this this specific one is just complete garbage yeah well like in the book like the original draft had the actual recipe and i can't remember if it was the publisher the editor whoever it was was like chuck you you can't do that like that's how (laughs) there's another book called the anarchist cookbook and that mm. they have the real recipe and stuff in it but they're like if you do that nobody like that's how you you get your book pulled from shelves and all sorts of stuff and um so yeah they just he said it was more fun like coming up with adjacent like not quite real but it sounds like it could be real and 
uh, seeing mm. people try it out and stuff. What he said was was a lot of fun. Yeah, the lawyers got to pour over everything and make sure that nothing gets by that could be potentially problematic. Yeah, whenever I was looking it up, um, I I think my the funniest one that I saw was um, it said you know if you mix gasoline and orange juice, you get explosive orange juice. <laughs> We call that a Baja blast. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we, we get this, this moment. And I think this moment really is really that, that perfect example of that power shift as Jack is, is already, you know, he's known this person for like two minutes at this point. And he's already like so desperate for Tyler's approval that he shares his his clever philosophy of the single serving friends. And I, I love Brad Pitt's just completely non-reaction to this. Like he just <laughs> completely just dead face stares. And so of course, not getting any reaction, Jack waits just a beat before going into his explanation and, and you know we don't get to the you know the payoff until next minute but it, it's like you know he he feels like it's almost like he's trying to regain his power by you know explaining the joke which makes him feel like oh he's smarter than tyler because tyler just didn't understand it because it was too smart of a joke for him but that that doesn't end up being the case and 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 the uh, the commentary with Chuck Palahniuk and the the writer the script writer Jim Ulls, uh, he they talk about this this transfer of power where Tyler becomes the character with the power and like throughout this movie, Jack has been the one you know he's the protagonist he's the one that's kind of in control in his, of his life even though he's not in control of his life he can't sleep but he is taking actions to to be to remain in power even like with the struggle with marla he ends up kind of coming out on top of that situation because he's the one that convinced her to split up the week and and he was ultimately in control of that interaction but this one he is very much not in control and he is backpedaling this entire conversation well and i think like brad pitt kind of has two settings in this movie either the deadpan no nonsense Tyler or like the crazy shaved head like running around screaming doing nunchuck laughing <laughs> yeah like he's never just a regular guy you know like you, you wouldn't have a conversation like this he'd either just stare at you like you're an idiot or convince like tell you why you need to blow something up and I I think that's you know I, I keep going back to Jack the narrator not understanding how people work and so if this is, you know, his ideal, he he does one extreme or the other. He can't just have a normal relationship with anyone. So his ideal relationship, uh, whether whether you view it as romantic or friendship, is not with a normal person either. You guys think soap is really the yardstick of civilization? <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, if you think about it historically, you know, the creation of soap actually is something that you know eventually you know increased our life expectancy and uh, you know soap and cleanliness 
uh, helped uh, combat disease. And, you know, you could look at it from that perspective and looking at it in that way, then yeah, I, I would agree that that is one measure of the, the improvement of the culture and something that a lot of people don't think about really, because with the increase of soap and, and cleanliness that helped reduce disease and the spread of disease. I've been to enough comic cons that I can tell you there's still plenty of people out there who don't know what soap is. So <laughs> uh, I don't know that it's you know universally loved and accepted, but I do like I do like your your theory on that. Like yeah, it does. It made life better. You know, I, I mean, I would argue like fire, which is probably a little more important. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's up there, you know, yeah. top ten. The American Prometheus, Tyler Durden. <laughs> No, wait, that was Oppenheimer. I do I do think that Fincher should have directed Oppenheimer instead of Nolan, but that's a that's another podcast. <laughs> I I do think that like Tyler like glomming onto soap as like a thing, like because soap like at this point, like the soap industry's industry is like kind of a scam. Like you're paying for a smelly liquid. How much like he like even in the movie, they're like they're selling soap for $20 a bar to the department store how much are they selling it for like what like you don't like shouldn't cost that much to like stay clean like the fact that we've sort of come up with a whole system to like judge people on whether or not they smell nice or not is like another part of that like consumerism critique that the movie is engaged in I I do I do use soap I'm not like an (laughs) anti-soap person (laughs) But well, it my is perspective is that that like ninety five percent of of soaps are, or I should say, all soaps are like ninety five percent the same, and the extra five percent is mainly just different scents. Well, or or you can look at it like Tyler was ahead of the curve here, making artisan soap, handmade soap. You know, now with uh, Etsy and all those kind of things, you know, people. Greater Joe's. <laughs> yeah. People want you know, like handmade, and I, I keep using the word art because artisan is one of those words that people don't really know what it means. Like that use it all the time. Like, oh, this is artisan cheese, but it's also artisan soap, but it's also artisan. Like they just use it to drum it up a little bit, and I, I feel like that's, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of uh, again a time this movie has has set uh, or was ahead of its time because now yeah, you go to a store um, like we. We order our soap from Bed Bath and Beyond, but we wait till it's like on sale or clearanced out or whatever. Like we buy Christmas soap in July because why not? Uh, but you can go, you know, you go to a store or you go to like a, I, I don't know where y'all live. If y'all have like here, we have farmers markets like every weekend, and you go and people are selling, I mean, produce and stuff. But then you also get people selling soap and uh, cutting boards, you know, all this stuff, and it's. Yeah, and it is. It's like twenty dollars a bottle, but it'll get you clean either way. It's you know, it Fabuloso works just as well as <laughs> anything else. So yeah, get the dollar store brand instead. Yeah, I <clears throat> I did want to jump back because um, I and talk just a little bit about the briefcase full of soap and just the the design and the look of it that which I I think is is fantastic and you know you. It's only on screen here for just a moment, but you you do see, you can tell that it has the the Paper Street soap 
company logo uh, packaging on it. And uh, like, I, I don't have the the artwork pulled up. Uh, so we'll, I, th I think we'll save that discussion until we get, I think until uh, we see the business card clearly. Uh, I'll, I'll bring that logo up a bit more. But, you know, the, all the, the soaps are individually wrapped with little pieces of twine. Again, it, it is like that's that Etsy mentality that's, that you guys were talking about. And also the soap itself is, is pink, which of course, you know, it, it's not like the, it's not the full on pink, like the, the movie poster is it it's it's actually a darker pink and it has like uh, almost this white marbling in it which me looking at it and, and you don't really see too much but to me it almost looks like um you know meat and i i think that's appropriate too because eventually you find out that it, it comes from human fat so it, it's almost like mimicking human muscle in a way and that's I I like that that choice in the design, but but also the fact that it's pink, which is typically uh, thought you know these days thought of a more feminine color too. Well, the Barbie movie's out, and that's changed everything <laughs> now. So i i do ag I do agree that the soap looks delicious. I would love to eat the soap. <laughs> the soap looks really tasty. Paper Street Soap Challenge. <laughs> Let's get it started. And I think it's like they're individually wrapped. You know, he go. We just got this whole speech a few months ago about single serving peppermints, Q-tips, everything individually wrapped, and how that is, you know, peak consumerism. And then you have Tyler who is against that, but also like knows the game. So they are, you know, he doesn't sell in bulk. They're individually wrapped. They're because he's, uh, you know, he knows that's what people want. So that kind of continuation of the narrator talking about it and then to see it, Tyler doing it, but then later on we'll realize that that's not who he is, I think is a, a fun little little gag, not gag, but you know, like a little setup <laughs> gag thing. There's this idea, um, and maybe you've heard the quote, like the master's tools will never be used to dissemble the master's house, which is a, a complicated political phrase that, um, has a as a complex meaning but i think sort of the the opposite of what that what what that phrase is like um first impression is is really more true in in the sense that like you have to know the system in order to tear down the system and that is what brad pitt and the narrator do throughout the movie right they work in the fancy restaurants so that they can sabotage the fancy restaurants they infiltrate the police department so that they can you know, do things their own way. You you do have to sort of you have, you have to get what people want in order to in order to take away what they want, yeah. and you do have to have money to run to run your club, yeah. <laughs> and you have to make that money somewhere. Yeah, you know, um, I, yeah. To piggyback off that, I we talked a little bit off mic. Like I taught a film class this week, and we were going over different directors and styles and stuff. And we were talking about like why people like David Lynch work so well is because they know the rules, they break all the rules, but you have to know the rules to break the rules. And that's yeah. kind of the same thing that, that you're talking about is that it just works so much better because you're able to play off of the the established norms, the expectations, and stuff. And that's that's when 
as we've seen throughout history, you know, things work the best is when it's just a little familiar, you know, a little relatable, a little believable, then you're, you're apt to buy in more uh, and stuff. Yeah, totally. And that's what, you know, postmodernism becoming metamodernism or post-postmodernism is really doing. It's taking, taking the rules and the rules that are being broken and combining them in a way that is meaningful, regardless of what your previous relationship with those tropes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that's that gets us to the end of this minute. Do, do either well, of you? Once metamodernism any... comes up, and done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do either of you have anything else for this minute? No, I'm I'm inspired by it. I'm going to go take a shower and use some soap whenever. <laughs> And then Tyler, this this is you know your your last day with us, and you know I I know that we're only in these three minutes, but I did want to give you the opportunity if there was anything else about you know any other part of the movie that you wanted to bring up before you go. I think there are like so many iconic like line reads throughout the movie, like like when the guy says "I'm fucking Lou," <laughs> <laughs> it's um. It's like, it's so fun how so much of the movie is engraved in my brain and the, um, the whole like real change bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the, at the, the cigarette burns at the end of the, the first reel, it's so clever. And like Lance said, like David Lynch, like really does know what he's doing throughout the whole movie. And it's so nice. Like despite all the, like the complicated political talks about this movie that you know you guys are weaving in and out of every week like like can't we all agree that it's just good like it's a good movie <laughs> it's well made we, we, we can all get along on that one yeah i am i definitely agree that this this is a very well-made movie and you know i i look at the you know the the toxic masculinity element that is kind of attached itself to the movie as kind of separate from the movie and they're they're kind of misusing the movie for their own purposes rather than that's rather than the movie being what that is yeah they don't let the movie say it's like people who say shrek is a is a jesus like a messiah story like it's just it's an ogre it's an angry ogre and like (laughs) this is just the same way like it's just uh, a movie like a very well-made movie and let's yeah either leave it at that or talk about it for a year i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah well, Tyler, again, thank you so much for joining us for this week. And for one last time, why don't you go ahead and take a moment to let everybody know where else they can find you and your work? Well, one could listen to any variety of movies by minute podcasts if one was so inclined. But mine is an analysis of High School Musical movies, one minute at a time. We're on the third one, High School Musical 3, colon, senior year. And... It's fun. I haven't even seen those movies. I'm literally watching them one minute at a time. (laughs) And so if you want to check that out, search Amateur Nerds in your podcast feed or look up Wildcat Minute. You should be able to find it. And as always, this has been Fight Club Minute, and we're available on all the available podcatchers. You can also find um, us individually on social media. You can find me where I'm at Bubba Wheat, and you can find Lance as the Night Nerd. And uh, we are all over, you know, many different social media sites. The the landscape is always changing. And I know I try and, you know, not fully stay on top of it. But, you know, I I try and go to various new ones as they become 
more popular. And, uh, you know, it's at the time of recording, that's currently Threads, which I'm I'm enjoying and and also uh, Instagram. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment and uh, most likely still will be once this actually does come out. And uh, we are also a part of the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network, and uh, they also have a uh, Patreon. And if you join that, uh, I believe it's it's just $3 a month, and you can get early access to podcasts. And uh, for this one, you will get each um, the the three weekly episodes a full week early and as one combined extra long episode with the the full minute clips uh, included there uh, so you can listen to that and uh, I think that's that's an a fun way to uh, get this show and uh, you know, until next time, this has been Fight Club Minutes, and this podcast is ending one minute at a time. Soap. Sorry? I make and I sew soap. Hey, Brenda, did you hear about that super shady secret organization? Which one? The, the CIA? The KGB? The FBI? Even worse, Rabbit Hole Podcasts. Brenda, I believe RHP is hiding proof of alien life, and I think you and I should uncover it. Jason, that is uh, too much work. Can we just watch the X-Files instead? X-Files. Oh, yeah. I, I love that show as a teenager. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, ooh, also, can I can I do buff dates? Oh, like baseball updates? I, I guess. Just don't expect me to understand what the hell you're talking about. Wonderful! Check out the FBI's Most Unwanted and X-Files podcast on the 13th of every month, anywhere you get podcasts or its home location at rabbitholepodcast.com. The updates are out there.